Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Black free thinkers, where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. Free thought, we don't walk by faith in the lost mind state, cause it's not quite safe. We don't recruit, we're not here from a church, so don't be fooled, we're not here to convert. The only truth that's not pulled from a text, show me proof that's not good after death. This is the challenge to think for yourself, break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310-982-4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through The next tree branch is Rainer and it's best you listen to Reason, science, and skepticism It's loaded with straight facts, inspiring and dope She can make Bill Nye retire his lab coat Humans are hilarious and every other Friday I'd like to hear commentary on culture people So I hit up Super Mario and bring in Emmeline To discuss why we're capable of ultra evil It's normal for my brain to have a two-way street But if there's collisions, well then you got to just mention it And don't be afraid of where the truth may lead Ignoring your position of cognitive dissonance When Father Teresa preaches, it's hard to stop So Kim paired me up with Alfred in the barbershop I have a extended family in all these places now As the free thought tree pollinates around this is the challenge to think for yourself Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt 310-982-4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through Where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night we don't walk by faith and I lost my state cause it's not quite safe. Welcome everybody. Welcome to the Black Free Thinkers Radio. And tonight we have Emmeline on the line with us. Mario's here tonight. And Mario? What it be like? <laughs> <laughs> Emmeline? Hi everyone. Excellent. Hey everybody. And tonight we're gonna to be talking about nine medical care in the name of the Lord. Faith healing. Um, we're going to be talking about different religious sects or cults, if you will, and their beliefs in medical or their non-beliefs, if you will, in medical care, and give you some examples of um, what has happened and what's been in the news. 
Believe it. Yeah, but you said Mario. Mario, what's up? Oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm chilling. <laughs> I'm chilling. I'm happy to be here. Good Friday. It is a good Friday because I didn't have to work, so. Yeah, so that's my good Friday. <laughs> it's good for all of us to be happy in church today. Yeah, yeah. You know, let's see here. What happens on you know, oh well my church my church is probably having a barbecue. I'm gonna find out if they got a fish dinner. They selling fish dinners this weekend. I mean I had to stop back by over there. Wow. <laughs> um, I know my old church is doing um, some the living stations of the cross. They've got some teenage boy playing Jesus um, and holding a really, really huge piece of wood. Practically um, <laughs> naked in front of the congregation. That's always fun. And kind yeah. of illegal, I think. But, you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> I, always, <laughs> I always love this, this, this time of year because you always see the the plays in which they get the kids and teenage boys to reenact a man being tortured to death, but, you know, it's okay. You know, I mean, play Mortal Kombat and there's a problem, but enact a man being tortured to death and impaled upon wood, then it's okay because of Jesus, you know. It's... Well, I've got this Peruvian friend. She went to a Catholic school back in Peru, and what they would do is the the kid who was um, chosen to play Jesus, they wouldn't nail him to a cross like they do in some countries with um, Passion of the, the Christ. But um, the the other students at the school would take, like, um, switches off of a tree and would actually be allowed to beat him like they were the enraged crowd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, yeah, like, you know, bruises and, like, broken skin would occur. And the, and the, and the parents thought that this was an honor for their child to be chosen, so they didn't say anything about their child being, you know, assaulted, basically, by <laughs> all of his peers. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, there's a few people then I would love for them to play Jesus. <laughs> if I get the <laughs> go find me a nice willow <laughs> <little old> tree. <laughs> you know, if they would let me use a bat, not my nerf bat that I usually reserve for people. This time it would be a nice Louisville slugger. You know, beat them in the name of the Lord. Oh yeah. I got a few people that should play that role. I'm gonna see if we can nominate somebody for next year. Well, but um yeah, tonight's topic kinda um, you know, is the is really perfect um for I think the Easter because, you know, it's all about putting your absolute faith in Jesus, and uh, some of these people have taken it, um, have, well, I can't say taken it too far. They're only doing what the Bible says, which is just praying, and Jesus will give you what you need. And obviously, if you're sick, you need to be better. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and, and with faith healing, too, it's kind of something where they'll pray and they'll pray about it, and if the prayer isn't answered, They'll think it's either because they did something wrong or um, their illness and their subsequent death of that individual was God's will. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, there, there are varying degrees of faith healing. Um, I know that you grew up as a Jehovah's Witness or you were raised in a Jehovah's Witness, told Mario, and they uh-huh. don't believe in, like, organ transplants and blood transfusions, but they will take medications if they're ill. Right. Um, but, you know, there's some that take it a step further and they won't go to the hospital or to the doctor for anything, not even broken bones. Yeah, right. my grandmother actually has a card in her purse that says no blood on it. So, mm-hmm. you know, basically if she's in trouble, I have to pretty much let her die. Or you could always just steal her card. 
<laughs> That's always <laughs> if she finds out he stole her car, he would never get another biscuit ever again in life. Dang, well, I just thought about that, you're right. Yeah, but but yeah, but you can always pull the I was being an instrument of the Lord card. God wanted me to <laughs> <laughs> You say God spoke to me, and God told me, you know, say, Grandma, I'm saved again. So the Holy Spirit told me to snatch your car or just act like you don't know what happened to it. That's mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Act real blank. <laughs> yeah, but recently, apparently, I thought this was dying out. Like, you know, I, when I, growing up, I heard of faith healing, like, you know, um, in certain, like, you know, Certain groups and certain um, circles um, I thought it was something that was restricted To the Church of Christian Science I know oxymoron But it was, it was pretty much It's pretty much the religion that's set around um, God being the ultimate doctor And in you know Putting all your faith in God to heal everything But then you have the Scientologists Who um, don't believe in um, In psychiatric drugs um, You know Drugs for schizophrenia, drugs for anxiety, drugs for depression. They think that's all wrong because, as far as they're concerned, all bad feelings come from thetans, um, right? You know, which which make you feel bad. And of course, there are there are various scattered Protestant sects of people that take this to their extreme. Um, there used to be um, a YouTube vlogger. Um, she went by Angie the Anti Theist, and um, her grandmother was actually the leader of a cult in Florida and um, was sued recently because a lot of the women that were, lived in their, their cult, she would deny them um, medical assistance when they were in labor. As a result, one of the men that she grew up with was um, was mentally disabled because of lack of oxygen when he was being born. Um, and that's her, and that's really... Um, her grandmother's fault and the fault of his mother who believed her. Right. Um, so so even for something like giving birth where you're not sick but you obviously need medical attention, you know, they won't even go to the hospitals for that. Right. Right. And it's a shame. It's a shame because that young man, you know, is suffering because of what they decided to do with their faith. You know, and in, in children in situations like that, I mean, there's another example, you know, several examples of children dying or being snatched out of homes in court ordered to a hospital because the parents, you know, denied them treatment. It could have been for something as simple as um, diabetes type 2. And they were denying their child, take their child to the hospital, and the kid, you know, almost died. But, you know, what happened to children's rights? You know, a lot of people get it mixed up. Your children are not your property. They are people. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing, here's the thing about, about laws, the state and federal laws in, in, in most countries, and this country is no exception, there really aren't children's rights. There, there can be justice to be found for a child after they are abused, neglected, or violated. Mm-hmm. But it's up to the court and up to that jury to decide if such an abuse, violation, or neglect even occurred because the lines of what is an 
is and is not acceptable behavior towards one's own children are very, very blurry. There are so many people that have got away scot-free or just with probation for allowing their own children to to die um, because of faith healing through pre- from preventable diseases and preventable illnesses. You can pretty much do anything, almost anything to your child, and if you just say, well, fill in the blank, faith says it's right, you can really get away with it a lot. You know, it is, their parents are facing jail time for smaking their child too hard, but then you have parents on probation for allowing their daughter to die from type 1 diabetes, the one that was perfectly treatable, you know? Right. You know, it, it's amazing that we still, even in 2013, we're still going through this because, you know, you know, um, in um, earliest recorded history, even beforehand, there was no anesthesia. There were no there were no antibiotics. There was nothing that you could cure somebody with. You know, they believed that if you know uh, certain herbs might might work, dung in some cases, leeches, bleeding people. You know, and, um, a lot of times, you know, I mean, I mean, imagine somebody laying there on their on on the, on their back, sick with the flu, and they got all leeches all over their body. And that was the guy you was entrusting to help you. Then praying, making offerings to whatever God you believe in and stuff like that. Yeah, that made sense when we had no knowledge of this stuff. But in 2013, modern medicine has come so far that it's it's ridiculous that we're still kind of relying on these traits. Um, something I, um, I recently, uh, recently read about in preparation for the show is that uh, one review published in 1998 looked at 172 cases of deaths among children treated by faith healing practices and instead of conventional methods. These researchers estimated that if conventional treatment had been given, the survival rate of most of these children would have been about more than 90%, with the remainder of children also having a good chance of survival. A more recent study found that more than 200 children had died of treatable illnesses in the United States over the past 30 years because their parents relied on spiritual healing rather than conventional medical treatment. Yeah. And, you know, that's what bothers me the most, I think, about all of this, is that when it comes to faith healing, it's usually children that suffer more as a result of it um, than their idiot parents that believe this. Um, A little while ago you had a 15-year-old boy that died because he had a birth appendix. And his parents knew he had a birth appendix, and they told him to pray on it. Um, obviously, that did not work. He died. Um, there was a, an infant um, around six months old. She was growing a tumor on the left side of her face. Um, it's called what she had. It's called hemangioma. It's a benign tumor, but it can cause blindness if it grows around the eye. Her parents did nothing except rub her down with some oils, aka anoint her, and laid hands on her. And they, she actually had to be taken from them and placed into foster care, and that's where she received treatment. And now they're on trial. Yep. Yep, it happens all the time. I mean, I can give a personal story. You know, my mom was, you know, really into church, and right about the time I was about six years of age, I got really sick. And, you you know, all children get stomach aches or what have you every once in a while. But this one time, I had gotten really sick and was refusing to eat and, you know, having, you know, a lot of different complications there. And my mom refused to take me to the hospital, refused to take me to the doctor, 
then, oh, it's a stomach ache, give her some Pepto-Bismol or whatever, go lay down, take a nap. And it went on for two days. And what happened was the second day I was on the floor and I wouldn't get up. I couldn't get up. I was just in that much pain. And she was still refusing, you know, she thought I was acting or whatever. And my uncles had to come from the other side of town and come and get me and make her take me to the hospital. And what happened was my appendix almost ruptured. And then even when I was in the hospital, um, they weren't operating at first, and her boss came from, you know, her job to visit me because, you know, she was distraught. And this was like a couple of years after my father had died. So, you know, they knew my mom was just going through some major changes there. And her boss came to the hospital, and he basically jumped down the throat of the hospital and made them do the surgery. And But mm-hmm. my mom wasn't going to take me to the hospital. She wasn't going to enforce and, you know, um, the doctors to do their job. But that's just one personal, you know, and that's I can give you many about me personally. But Is it because your mom didn't believe in medication or because she just didn't believe anything was wrong with you? Well, it was a little bit of both. Also, my mom is one of those old school mothers, whereas you pretty much, your leg has to be hanging off by one damn vein. You know, see, you bring see that's why I asked because that's a really interesting point. I remember a couple of stories growing up where mothers and fathers were arrested for negligence because their children were seriously ill and they didn't believe the child when the child told them that they were ill. But right. turn around and have those same parents have just said, oh, I knew she was sick. I just didn't do it because the Bible says not to. They wouldn't have been incarcerated. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Some people it's, use it's it. Neg- as it's neglect. It's neglect. Minus, without religion, it's neglect. With religion, it's just you know you're 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 really religious. Exactly. You're devout. But they, but mm-hmm. I, just want to know, I just want to know where religious freedom ends and personal rights begin. Exactly, and that goes back to the point we were talking about earlier. You know, part of the social justice movement that you know that's taking place in this country. We also need to talk about children's rights. That needs to be an arm of it because they are people. They're human beings. And, you know, just like, you know, a child can't be forced to go and work a job at five, six years of age, if you will. That's when they did child labor protection laws. Uh, They need to enforce some other laws for children as well. Right. You know, and... You know, I'm, I'm reading. Uh, I was rem- reminded of uh, Isaiah 53:5, which, uh, if I remember correctly, says, uh, "But he was pierced for our transgressions; he was crushed for our iniquities." I had right. to this shit. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. That's right. You know, so that we you know, and that's cutlass. Yeah, and that, there's a there's a there's a there seems to be a thing in religion in which the idea is if you're suffering, there's there's a point to it, there's a purpose behind it. God is doing something for you, and after you suffer, somehow you've taught something, you've learned something, you've earned something, or something like that. Yeah. I, I and think it's, it's huge. It's huge in Christianity, especially when you're yeah. talking about like um um Christians of like minority Christians because they've had that drill yeah. into their heads. 
and Catholics because right. the whole it's it's a really huge martyr syndrome. Like there is there is something beautiful to be gained in suffering. Suffering brings you closer to the Lord. Suffering teach you teaches you a lesson. Suffering makes you more compassionate. I've heard it all. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that's how you know. In addition to the physical suffering, also just like poverty, like they claim that these priests take a vow of poverty. To a certain degree, so does the congregation in the parish, because the majority of these people are living in a state of perpetual, you know, poverty. And but it goes it depends on that modesty syndrome, because you know they pick up they're they're supposed to carry their own cross, if you will. Go ahead, Emma. Um, it depends on the priest. Not all priests um are, take a vow of poverty. Um, oh, that's I what I said. That's, it, that's something. That's something that like only only nuns do. But you know there are a lot of priests that live in opulence, even among a congregation that is very, very impoverished. And it's okay. And 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 the congregation is is led to think that you know this is fine. This is okay for him to be this way because he is he is the Lord's mouthpiece, and I'm not. So it's fine for him to live in opulence, even though I'm living hand to mouth. Yeah, interesting how the priest gets to live opulently, and but the, but the nuns have to take a vow of poverty. How does that work? But that's another. There story. is a really great book for anyone that's interested in reading. It's called Double Cross, and it talks about it's called Double Cross, and it talks about um, it talks about the lives of various sects of nuns living in the United States. Um, it's it's called Double Cross because of how they feel that they have been um, pretty much, you know. Um, their human rights have been violated by the vows that a lot of them have had to take in the order. You know, I knew a nun who, um, she she didn't just take a vow of poverty. Um, she is with Sisters of St. Joseph, and they pretty much they have no property. Everything that they have belongs to the mother house. Anything that they have can be taken from them at any time and sold off to 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 pay for their finances at any time. Wow. They're not allowed any property whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. It, you know, I, it's a lot of times when I get up to go to work, um, a lot of these uh, um, uh, televangelists on early morning, mm-hmm. and um, I'll see a lot of these people, you know, they still, and it's amazing how many of these people are black and how many of these people are black women that uh, these people are catering to, and they're eating it up. And you'll see them bring somebody up on stage and, he has a cane, apparently a few words, and uh, hocus pocus, and he can walk fine. You know what I'm saying? Check with him five minutes later, though. All right? And, you know, you can buy his Jesus, Jesus prayer cloth and healing oil. And I you know, I just prayed, and I used the healing oil, and bam, I I got five $5,000 to pay out my car, and he healed me and all that, and I, I and it just, you know, it really tripped me out the whole, the smoking mirrors and hocus pocus of it. Right, and and a lot of those people are lying. They are lying. Yeah. And they get paid. Let's say they'll the, the church will give them a hundred dollars. In some cases, they don't have to give them anything. Just the fact that they're getting some attention, um, because you know I'm going to read something from the, basically the American Medical Association considers that prayer as therapy should not be a medically reimbursable or deductible expense. And the American Cancer Society, they have a whole statement regarding, you know, uh, faith healing. And, you know, they said available scientific evidence does not support claims that faith healing can actually cure physical ail- ailments. 
and it talks about a review that was published in 1998, which looked at 172 cases of death among children treated by faith healing instead of conventional methods. And the researchers estimated that if conventional treatment had been given, the survival rate for most of these children would have been more than 90%, with the remainder of the children also having a good chance of survival. Another study shows that more than 200 children had died of treatable illnesses in the U.S. over the past 30 years because their parents relied on spiritual healing rather than conventional medical treatment. So, I mean, I right. guess my question, yeah. you know, regarding that is, I wonder if any of these parents feel any type of guilt or remorse after their child loses their battle um, with this illness and dies. You know, it's it's it, it, the thing that really bothers me about that, and Marius made a point earlier about, you know, maybe this would have been acceptable at a time before we had medicine. Um, you know, there are various medical ailments and conditions that doctors are still kind of lost about. But mm-hmm. they've got a handle on a lot of, of the major ones, or at least the ones that were major at one point in time. Like, you know, polio used to be a huge deal. Um, leprosy used to be a huge deal. And the fact of the matter is, even when people didn't have, didn't know what they know and, and doctors didn't know what they know, people still experimented with herbs and, you know, would make them, themselves tea or put, put herbs in their food or rub it on a wound to stop infection, even as they were praying, they were still doing that. And you were negligent for not trying to do something yourself to help yourself or help your child. But all of a sudden, now we have a pharmacy of drugs to take. Even something as simple as giving somebody, you know, um, a shot of, of, of insulin to save their lives, and you can't do that all of a sudden. That's too difficult, um, or that's just too wrong, and you're just going to pray about it. You know, Mario was talking about how they sell sackcloth at the different, um, you know, different televangelists sell it. They, they, they charge you, like, something like 50, 75 bucks for some sackcloth and some olive oil. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, all the women in my family um, sew, and... I, I can tell you honestly, like my mom's gotten sackcloth before because she uses that stuff to pray with. Um, at most fabric stores, you don't even have, like the most of the major ones, you don't even have to pay for that. They toss it away. Oh, wow. You don't even have to pay for it. It's like it's like the cheapest, cheapest, rattiest fabric that you could possibly have. Right, right. And and they're charging people for it, saying that this sackcloth has been, you know, um, blessed and this is this is holy anointed oil that somebody, like, mumbled over for a couple of minutes. And you're spending that $50 on it instead of taking yourself to the hospital. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, the interesting thing is is that, you know, a few of them have been exposed because they throw, you know, the letters that people send in asking for prayer and, you know, healing you know, some of these people are extremely desperate, and they've gotten busted. These preachers have been busted throwing the letters away or laughing at the people. It's horrible. And the thing is, is that when the evidence is right in their face, some of them still completely deny, even with the evidence, you know, extenuating evidence. They're like, well, that's just one preacher. These other ones over here are true, you know, and... I I don't know what to say. I mean, we present the information. It's been caught on video, audio, a variety of different ways, and yet people still, you know, they're going to cling to their religion and cling to what they believed in. But I think part of it is um, basically people don't want to feel as though 
they were hoodwinked or bamboozled. They don't want to feel stupid, and I believe that's the biggest hurdle right there because they don't want to believe that their mom or their grandmother or great-grandmother misled them. If it was good enough for them, why can't it be good enough for, you know, them? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't I don't think we can have a conversation about faith healing and televangelists without bringing up the name Benny Hinn. I don't know if he's mm-hmm. ever seen this guy on television, but I've actually seen a documentary of him where he goes on record saying that what he does is hypnosis, pretty much. And yeah. anybody who uh-huh. knows anything about the art of hyp- hypnosis understands that it works only if the person is willing, like they're, they are, exactly. they have mentally willed themselves to believe what you're saying. And anyone who knows anything about magic tricks or the art of illusion understands that mm-hmm. it is easier to fool a room full of people than it is to fool one person. Exactly. I mean, you, you, there's so many things that come into play when you're trying to pull a con on a person that that is alleviated when you're in a crowd because you have the fact that they're distracted by other people, whether or not their eyes are fixed on you or not, their their peripheral vision, there's other people there, there's people in their hearing, and they are swayed by the reactions of others. And right. this is something that's very important, even even not just with faith healing but with belief altogether. There's a reason why pastors don't speak to people one-on-one, why many churches discourage people from reading the Bible on their own but encourage you to come to group Bible study. Exactly. It is, it is easier to, to pull a con when you're dealing with a group of people. And there are so many people, um, the most common occurrence with a person that's determined to know information but is hesitant to ask is that when they're in a group, they feel ashamed about their doubt, especially in a room full of people who have faith or people mm-hmm. who might look at them differently. They're relying on your fear of social stigma to keep you silent. Yes. If nothing else, that's going to keep you silent. Right, peer pressure, social conformity, all of that, and and you're correct. You know, they put them in a room, and they start having them repeat these things. And, you know, if you repeat something three times, there's a good chance it's in your psyche. That's one of the things they teach you when you're in school for, you know, educational um, educational curriculum. But um, it's, it's interesting how all of that works, and it's, it's, you know, other factors as well. You know, especially when you go to some of these churches, they keep the church at a certain temperature on purpose, you know, because people get lethargic, they get tired, you know, and and sometimes they get transfixed into whatever Mm -hmm. is being said up there. And, you know, people have to start paying attention to these things, you know, in in the music. You know, sometimes the music can be very hypnotic as well. So, yes, you know, you know, you're correct. They use a lot of hypnosis, and they also use a lot of psychology in addition to the hypnosis. But it, for the most part, it's the power of suggestion. The power yeah, of suggestion. definitely. And I was actually just having this conversation with a friend the other day. Uh, we were in a car, and one of my old um, CCM, that's contemporary Christian music for all of you not in the know, um, songs came on my iPod. She's like, you still listen? I'm like, yeah, I still listen to it. It's awesome. And, you know, a lot of it really is, like, I don't think anybody um, anybody ever could name a Christian artist who didn't have an amazing singing voice. And most of these people are great lyricists, and they, they're musicians oh, man, as well. Yeah. And they do this on purpose. Because, you know, you can't rely on, I mean, a Christian musician can't can't sell sex appeal. And they can't rely on a catchy hook alone. You've got to make that right. person feel something. You've got to be really, really talented. And I I honestly believe that some of the great music that's recorded by Christian artists, some of the great music that's performed in church, is why a lot of people are still Christian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Right. The, the entertainment, you know, and it, it's the whole thing is interesting. And when you start dissecting it, you know, start peeling away the layers, you know, one layer at a time, you know, off that onion. And you start seeing, you know, a lot of these situations for what they are, and that's what's so great about having these types of shows, that we can present this information to people. You know, what's interesting, you brought up Benny Hinn. What's interesting about people like him, the other faith healers, is now that, you know, more Americans are falling away from the faith, if you will, they are going to these other third world countries, these poverty stricken countries. So they're over in Africa, they've been over to India and other places like that because again, some of these places, some of the people are not as sophisticated, even though, you know, we still have our issues here, but they really, you know, have issues over there. And what they're doing is they're exploiting and manipulating, you know, the ignorance of the people over there. You know, look at what they're doing, you know, besides the faith healing, but, you know, um, the gay war over there, especially in Uganda, you know, with the gay bill, and I'm trying to, and it's just, it's horrible. You know, we, it has to be exposed, but it also goes back to will the people believe it? You say exposed because you you understand that it's something wrong. But, I mean, you have Christianity that's spreading in countries like Uganda, and it's the worst sort of Christianity ever, the most violent form of it ever. Um, and, you know, it's pretty much consumed South Korea, and it's sweeping up India as well. There's so many new Christian conferences every day. And mm-hmm. the Christians here in the West think, oh, wow, that's great. Jesus is touching those souls. Yay. You know, they don't see the danger, and especially in Uganda where it is so violent. Um, it's not just, they're not just going after homosexuals there. They're going after children. There is a priest, a prophet called Miriam, who's, who's, who's accusing people's children of being witches, and people are tossing out their children and killing them because they're mm-hmm. To debate with the you know with the alien uh that's alien I'm about to call Africans alien. Um, <laughs> when I get into a debate with the Africans, you know, man, it, their entrenchment in this is so so amazingly deep, man. And you know, um, they really do believe. Like you'll ask them, you'll ask them, like your country has been nearly destroyed by HIV and AIDS and everything. Where is your God? Where is he healing these people? Where is he helping these people? And, you know, it's pretty much a non-question to them. They they don't really care. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, anybody else is like, as long as I'm okay and as long as good things are happening in my life, I will believe that this God is doing things for me. What he's not doing for anyone else, I don't care about because he's doing something for me. And it's always made me feel really weird about Christianity, uh, especially with well, any religions, that they there is no survivor's guilt. If you believe that God is healing and helping you and your loved ones, and yet he was letting thousands, millions of other people die every day, but you're still happy and joy, joyful and bragging about, yeah, he saved me, though. I'm right. on the Titanic, and he saved five people, all of which I know these people, Yay! Thank God he saved me. Never mind the fact that twenty five hundred people, uh, uh, other people died. 
But that's you the know, thing about Christianity and most of these, most of especially Abrahamic religions, is you have this feeling of superiority, of exactly. of, of, of entitlement. Um, you, I mean, you're superior obviously because you know the one and only God. Whether that be because you're Jewish, Muslim, or Christian, um, you are entitled because you are chosen. Whether that be because you're Jewish, Christian, or Muslim. And if something bad happens to those around you and something doesn't happen to you, that means God favors you. So you're even more special. And mm-hmm. there is religion feeds people's egos in a way that nothing else ever could because how great must it be to 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 believe, to truly feel that you have a personal relationship and a deep connection with the creator of the universe. Exactly. Like, there's nothing exactly. there's nothing better than that. And honestly, if I really believed, and let's say there, let's let's imagine there really is a God, and when you pray, He actually talks to you, and you hear Him as audibly as you're hearing me right now. If such a being exists, I wouldn't have any other friends. Screw everybody else. I don't need you. <laughs> I have God. I have yeah. Jesus on my team. I don't need anybody else. I actually knew somebody who said it. You know, every day I, I take a walk and talk to God and everything. I'm like. I hope nobody sees you, you know, because otherwise it just looks like you're just moving your lips and speaking to the air and everything. And might need to call the guys with the white coats to come get you. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there was a guy. He made he made about nine videos. Um, a black atheist. He made about nine videos before he stopped. But that was in the videos he made. He's like, if people really believed, they wouldn't have any other friends because what friend could love you more or give you better advice than God? If you really believed, you wouldn't have premarital sex because if he's always watching, he's watching you right now. If you wouldn't have sex in front of your parents, you wouldn't have sex in front of God. He's always watching, right? You know, these are these are some of the points he's made. He made about do people really believe? It's one of those things where, for a lot of Christians, especially Christians of minority, the only time where their belief is um, is really blatant is when they're going through very difficult times or when they're going through really good times. If they're really going through really good times, then it's like, oh, it's all, I'm blessed and highly favored. And if they're going through really, really bad times, then it's like, oh, this is a trial. God is testing me. Pray for me, y'all. You know, I need Jesus right now. Exactly. As long as, when you're in that middle ground, I think it's the only time where people who are religious can think clearly. And unfortunately for people who practice faith healing, when your child is sick or when you're sick, that's not a middle ground. That is a time for desperation, especially if it's a grave illness. That's why we have all these people that have died from HIV praying for a cure. Exactly. 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 You know, they're praying for a cure, and let's just say the ones that are on the medications, the medications are so expensive, they're praying for the money to be able to pay for the, you know, for the medications, but no one is talking about they could have used the condom. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, yep. the, 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 the Pope Benedict told them the exact opposite. He said, don't use a condom because condoms cause AIDS. Exactly. He said this on his tour of Africa. You know mm-hmm. they have a serious HIV problem. You know there's a serious problem with these children being left parentless. And the last thing anyone needs is to bring a child into this world that has a disease. But well, let's tell them that anyway just because you're against contraception. Oh, yeah, but there's one of the people that I would believe you. Right, but see, but check it out. In addition to, you know, them, you know, telling them that lie about, you know, condoms causing AIDS and these children are being orphaned because their parents are dying, they're children. That's more children going to the orphanages controlled by the Catholic Church, but then Mm -hmm. also they're not addressing the issue with their, some men, 
in that country believe that if they have HIV and they have sex with a child, a toddler or or, or infant, that that's mm-hmm. going to cure them of the HIV and AIDS. And it's like exactly. it's just a complete perpetual cycle of fuckery. You know, yeah. it's like I feel that I feel that the continent of Africa has been so exploited by um by Europeans and by Christianity and they're doing the same now in Asia. And like I'll be honest with you, I've met a lot of priests in my time. Um I worked very, very deeply in the Catholic Church when I was still the Catholic and every every African priest or deacon that I met grew up in an African orphanage and went to a Catholic school. And um and like the vast majority of them, I'll say about ninety five percent, only joined the diaconate or joined the priesthood as a way to leave Africa, right? Because the area that they were in was so poverty stricken, and 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 you know becoming becoming a priest or deacon, joining the seminary was their only real shot at in education, right? Mm. Wow. See, I didn't know that. See, I I admit I didn't know that right there. You know, I mean, I had uh, there was one man I knew. I mean, uh, the church did a lot for him. Um, you know, their parents died. Um, his oldest brother left never to be heard from again. And, um, you know, a group of missionaries came, Catholic missionaries, and um, the the priest said, you know, you look like a smart boy, come to school. They would, they, And that's how you get your meals. They had to come to school to get breakfast. They had to, after an hour of class, they would have breakfast, and then they would leave for the afternoon for the ones who had to work to go to work, and they'd come back in the afternoon, and you had to come back in the afternoon to get dinner. So basically holding their meals hostage even. And then they would have to come back later for Bible study to get supper. And, you know, he grew up this way, um, didn't even know his own birth date, but was able to um, get into the seminary, and that's how he was able to, to leave Africa to go to university in another country. And with him, you know, he says he wa- he wants to be a deacon. He's happy with this life, but whether or not that's true, he joined initially just so that he could he he could get an education for himself and have a life for himself. Because what are you going to do? Not go to the school and not get fed, not go to seminary and never leave. You know, your impoverished town in Africa. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So you take the choices yeah. that are given to you. Mhm. Exactly. Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's really, really a, a kind of a, a pretty, pretty much a shame that um, it has become such a uh, monopolizing entity that you know every aspect of your life is controlled by that one thing. You know what I'm saying? And you know, um, to the point where you can't even. I mean, I was watching I was watching this thing on the Discovery Channel, and this guy had this gigantic. Nasty growth on his face, man. I mean, it, this man, it looked nasty, man, for real. And um, the um, I mean, it's, it's whew, you ought to see it. But anyway, the dude, you know, and so they uh, they finally went for the evaluation to see how can he get this thing off his face because he has to lift up part of it just to eat and everything. And they told him about the procedure about pretty much having to remove the entire growth off his face and then reconstruct his face, Hold which on, is going to require... Like purple and bumpy? Yeah, yeah. Get, yeah, yeah, I saw that episode. I don't know what I don't remember what the medical term was, but the doctors called it cobblestones, right? Yeah, I think so. It was it was horrific. And the, the, the thing about the caveat, the, and this is a guy who has no face, who does, does not even look 
the only thing that makes him look human is the rest of his body from his neck down. And his moral dilemma wow. is the fact that he was Jehovah's Witness. So he he can't have blood, blood transfusions. I remember oh, wow. that. And, and the growth wasn't always a growth. It started as a purple birthmark or a purple mark that appeared when he was, like, still, still you know, like about six, seven months old, right? Yeah, they showed so. pictures of him as a toddler. It was like this big purple thing on his face. It looked like a birthmark or a bruise. And his parents, um, you know, um, they took him to the doctor about it and said it was nothing. And then it started spreading, and the other doctor said, okay, it's something, and he needs treatment. And they didn't give him the treatment because of their beliefs. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, I mean, you have no faith, bro, and you're concerned about God, I mean, first of all, if your God gave shit about you, you wouldn't have this shit growing in your face anyway. I yeah. mean, it, it, yeah. it's pretty bad, you know, and uh, you, know, you probably you should check that out. Uh, I'll see if I can post it. It should be on TLC's website, right? Didn't it show up on TLC before they started, you know, airing Honey Boo Boo and they were still teaching us stuff? <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, you know, there's yeah. so many, there are literally millions of diseases and illnesses and conditions that a person can get. So anybody that's out here saying that we are perfectly and wonderfully made obviously hasn't heard of any of them. And there are so many things that people are born with that are genetic and hereditary and other things mm-hmm. that are pure accident um, that are just mind-boggling. You know, tell tell yeah. a person who may never walk or talk, that they were perfectly and wonderfully made. Tell someone who's both deaf and blind that they're perfectly and wonderfully made. Um, there was this little girl that I saw on TLC. Um, her name is Jyoti. She's a little Indian girl. I think she's like 18 or 19 now. But she has something called pituitary dwarfism, and she just stopped growing at six months, just stopped growing altogether. Her brain functions normally, but she's the size of a, she's the size of a six-month-old. And what kind of life is that person going to have? Her right. parents worry constantly about what's going to happen when they're no longer around to take care of her. You know, they let her go to school and, and whatever and try to give her the most normal life that they can. And I thought, I'm never going to say anything worse than this. And then like a month later, I saw this other little girl who was her same age. She hadn't grown either. Her illness didn't even have a name. And basically she could not, she still couldn't walk, talk, or do anything um, that a three-month-old can do, and she was 16 or 17. Right. Mm. So it's literally yeah. trapped in her body. And the sad thing is her family says that she understands when people communicate with her, but she still can't communicate back to them. Aww. So imagine how horrible that must be. Because when you understand everyone around you and they can't understand you and you can't move and you can't walk and you can't talk. Exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, that is horrible. You know, that's you know, that's a horrible situation to be in. And to think that, you know, quite a bit of this, you know, could have been prevented or could be treated as treatable, preventable. And, again, you know, it makes me wonder, these parents that make these life-altering decisions for their children, do they feel any remorse? But for the most part, I don't believe they do. They feel that they're doing the right thing and they feel they're doing this in the Lord's name, and if it's God's will, then their child will be healed or what have you. And, you know, you know, it was an article that I posted um, earlier this week, and it was talking about how 
in some cases, religion can cause mental health issues. And I've been saying this for years. And that right there, that's that's a special type of psychosis right there. Mm-hmm. Actually, you 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 remind me of a video that I saw a long time ago. I actually looked up the articles that were cited in it, and it was pretty pretty good um information. It's called "Religion Causes Brain Damage," and what the man in the video was saying was that religion, because it is so contradictory, and it is so um against the the it it tells people to stifle their 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 natural curiosity. The longer you are a believer, and you have to stifle um you have to stifle doubts and curiosities and questions you may have to the point where you no longer have them, the more damage it is to your brain because the brain is intended to be used to think. Exactly. To function. You're supposed to do all the things that to truly believe you cannot do. So if for if a person is truly religious, the longer that they are in the state, the 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 less the less active thinking that they do when it comes to their religion. The name of the article that I was talking about earlier is Religious Trauma Syndrome, How Some Organized Religion Leads to Mental Health Problems. And you can find that on Alternet. I posted the link in the room when I put it on my page um, a couple of days ago. You can find it on the Tumblr and the Twitter as well. But, yeah, Religious Trauma Syndrome, How Some Organized Religion Leads to Mental Health Problems. And this was written by Valerie Perico, and she's a psychologist, and actually a really good article. Let's not forget how well religion helps people who are already mentally ill disguise it. Um, oh yeah. Because even if it doesn't cause it, you can hide. You can hide a plethora of of mental ailments, everything from um, schizophrenia to 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 you know straight up psychotic behavior. Yeah. Under the guise yeah. of religion. Yeah, I, I had, well, I've seen several different, you know, um, examples, but one particular friend of mine, um, you know, who happened to be bipolar, had bipolar disorder, and whenever she was going through a manic or having a manic episode, if you will, in one of her mania episodes, she would basically go to church and shout all over the church. And, you know, we would And they thought she caught the spirit? Yeah, they thought she caught the spirit, you know, and just and then they tried to excuse some of her behavior, and many of them tried to cover for her. And, I mean, in other situations I've seen it as well, and it's just it's unbelievable. And then, again, you know, I've spoken about this in the past before as well. They Many of these so-called religious leaders, they look down on mental health care, or they used to, until they found a way to monetize it. And so that's why you have your Christian counselors, your life coaches, so on and so forth, and they are able to collect money from Medicaid and different places by giving religious counsel. So now they believe in mental health care, but only because they're making money off of it, you know. And yeah, you know, I'm perfectly fine with, like, Christian marriage counselors and the like, but when you're talking about um, a a, a, a a Christian psychologist or an article that I read about a Mormon um, therapist who was helping young men and boys um, deal with their homosexual feelings by teaching them how to repress it, then, you know, you're you're treading dangerous territory. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, very dangerous territory. 
And, I mean, as far as faith healing goes, I mean, um, you brought up a good point, Kim. You know, these people say, oh, it's my faith, and that's fine. But it's also something where the judge, jury, and the public have to actually believe that excuse. Because what if I just wanted my child dead and I allowed an illness that they had to kill them? You know, there are people all over the world that exploit their children, abuse their children, and kill their children, and not like, you know, during nervous breakdowns or fits of postpartum depression, but in sound mind decide that they don't want their offspring around in, in their lives. Pull a Casey Anthony, if you, you know, for for lack of better words. But, right. you know, there, like, for instance, there was a man who, there is a man um, in India who has, Twin daughters that are conjoined. They're conjoined twins. They're they're joined at the head, and since since birth, basically, he has been charging um, photographers and newspapers and magazines from around the world obscene amounts of money to come see them and interview them and photograph them. Meanwhile, doctors all over the world have told this man that they are willing to perform surgery on his daughters and they will do it free of charge, and he refuses to because of the obscene amount of money that he has made exploiting their condition. And people say he's sick and he's depraved, and that's true. But if he said, if he had just simply said, I won't do it because it's against my beliefs, there would be a, a lot less people calling him sick and depraved. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, it's funny how that works because see, this is that's the catch. They'll say, you know, uh, God will heal you, and then let's just say, you know, the child or the relative or the friend dies. Then they also teach them that you're not supposed to sue other Christians, so that people won't turn around and sue the pastor and hold the pastor accountable or the other church members accountable for the death of that child because they've already been trained and conditioned to be passive and tolerant. And it's it's it's, it's a catch twenty two everywhere you turn. Mhm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where you know you saw this man. He was obviously you know. Um, you know, doing uh, what I like to call a Joe Jackson with those girls. And, right. and basically had afforded his very cushy living situation because of them because they showed where they used to live before the girls were born. He was not exactly well off, and now he is. And he says, you know, I'm not a bad father. I take care of them. I feed them. I clothe them. It's not like, you know, I just have them on, on the street. They're my children. I can do with them whatever I want. There are tons of people that have that mentality. And they just don't say it out loud. He lives in a country where he can. There are tons of people that would allow their children to suffer this way for for a god. So, But those same people want to judge him for doing it for money. But last time I checked, that money was a lot more real than your god. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. You know, you know, and that 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 really cracks me up because I remember going to remember going to church and everything, and um, uh, you'll have somebody who like the the, the pastor who will talk 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 about some mumbo jumbo, and then he'll put the human claw on your forehead. I don't know if anybody's ever watched wrestling, but it's what you take somebody. <laughs> oh Lord, I just saw a ridiculous picture. Um, you you put your hand on somebody's head and you put them on screws the temples with your fingers. And oh, yeah, apparently, yeah, 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 they get it like in the claw grip thing. Yeah, and apparently, you know, what I'm saying that's supposed to heal. You know, they heal you. Sometimes they'll push you back, backwards. Sometimes they won't. You know, it depends on what lunatic you got doing the whole thing. But you know, 
you know, it, it, tri- it really cracks me up because I've never seen anybody who could say conclusively that not only was my arthritis healed and my migraines healed and my back pain healed and I can walk without this crutch or this walker, I've never seen anybody, you know, do that. And then, you know, I'm like like this. If you can heal anybody by touching them, what are you doing with your life that that means that you're just sitting around in this church every day and you can only do it on Sunday? I well, mean, a better question would be: If you can heal anybody by touch, why are you here in this room about of about two, three hundred people and not in a hospital where thousands right. of people are dying right now? Right, right. Yeah. There's an entire hospital of kids with terminal diseases called St. Jude's. Man, mm-hmm. take your ass there. Yeah, go to St. Baldwin's, go to St. Jude's. There's there's tons. And, I mean, what about all those people living with chronic conditions? That won't kill them. That will just cause them to suffer for a very, very long time. You know, those are very real illnesses as well. Um, and those are the most common sort, the kind that will cause you pain, but they, it won't kill you. Instead of giving, instead of these FDA medications where the side effects are worse than the illness, just put your hand on them. No one ever dies from someone putting their hands on them. Go lay your hands fun. on them right. and, like, and, and help them out, you know. That is funny, though. You know, um, take take Claritin. Side effects include bleeding eyes, rectal bleeding, gas, vomiting, oh, nausea, oh. headaches, uh, lethargy, leprosy, death. You know what's awesome you know, is when they're telling you all these side effects, there, there are people, like happy people, wearing, like, the brightest colors and with the biggest smiles on the commercials, and then they're rattling off the list. Of, of side effects, like like in an undertone, and all you can see are these like bright smiles. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like, like that at the church, actually, because you have these people moaning in pain, like, lay hands on me, Pastor. He's smiling this big smile. He's wearing this silk suit. And then, you know, he pushes you over, and you don't get healed, and you still have arthritis, but now you have, like, a sprained ankle, too. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Wow. So the whole thing is just amazing, you know, how it gets so twisted. It gets so twisted, and, you know, to me, it re-victimizes the victim. And, again, you know, it, it keeps them so caught up in the drama, not only the drama of their lives, but, you know, when they go to these services and to the churches, everybody is relaying their stories to one another, and you kind of get caught up and sucked into other people's drama in their lives, and people don't get a chance to think. You well, know, here's why these fairly... don't really get exposed um, that much, because mm. a lot of them tell people, well, if if my touch doesn't heal you, it's because you don't have enough faith. Because I don't know if you remember the story, in the Bible story about the woman who was hemorrhaging for 12 years, and she touched Jesus' robe, and he said that, you know, woman, your faith has healed you today. And these faith healers love to use that line mm-hmm. of, you know, your faith has healed you. You can come to the altar all you want, but if you don't really believe my touch will heal you, then it's not going to heal you. So now they feel all this pressure to pretend like he fixed their situation so that they don't look like a non-believer in front of their little church friends. Which which it, which encourages the lie. You exactly. have people up there saying that, oh, I was healed, because they want to make it seem like God is healing them, like God is healing the other people who are also lying. And exactly. It's like the emperor's yeah. new clothes. Everyone's lying, but no one wants to admit it that they're lying. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's it's, it's just sad. 
It's just sad. And if you call them out on it, then now they're ready to attack you. And then, again, go back to that mob mentality, because if you say something against one of those church people, um, that whole congregation is going to try to come after you, pastor included. You know, all they oh, yeah, is yeah. get in the pulpit and say something, use his bully pulpit, and when the pastor declares you as, you know, uh, the next target, then they start attacking you, you know, in different ways, verbally, emotionally, physically, if they could get away with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they'll, got um, special... Go ahead. Yeah, they ahead. will, they will, the, the entire congregation will turn against you. Like, I've even seen people on Facebook say, don't be saying that bad about my pastor and everything. I'm like, fuck you. I mean, come on now. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. I mean, I mean. I mean, you know, I mean, when it becomes hilarious, man. You know, and I was, you know, um, these people were swerving down. I had somebody swerving down to me that uh, I took my grandma there. Uh, she had glaucoma, and I took her there. My my pastor prayed over, her, and you know, she didn't have to use her. Uh, she didn't. Um, she was able to see and stuff like that. I'm like bullshit. Either you lying, or he lying, or she was lying. Somebody lying. Yeah. Glaucoma is a blockage of the eyes. You can't see through it. Do she still have? I mean, you can't just pray that away. Exactly. I mean, I mean, and I'm like, show if if healing by prayer works. Show me somebody who has grown back a limb. I don't care if they've grown back one digit of their finger. If you can show it to me, I'll believe you. Exactly. It hasn't yet. But, you know, you have a very special segment of faith healing, too, that helps the people that are in denial about it, the people that weren't healed but they want to believe that faith healing works, to cling to that belief. And that special segment are what we like to call our addicts, the people that were alcoholics, that were that were hooked on all manner of drugs, and they swear up and down that it is their faith that, quote, unquote, healed them of that addiction. Now, understand, Alcoholics Anonymous was probably, like, the most genius invention ever in as far as in favor of the church, right? Because it gave, uh, yeah. it gave, it gave addicts. I mean, alcoholics. Well, they're addicts. They're just addicted to alcohol. A place right. where they could come and like and have community with one another without drinking. You know, they right. meet up at the bar. Now they meet up here and they discuss how badly they want to stop drinking. You can have the exact same effect. In fact, I believe um, statistics show that yes. AA has been able to help um, about. 60% of the people who attend the meetings regularly stay sober for five or more years, but that it's that same amount that have been able to stay sober without AA. Right. And, but these exactly. people start up and down because they, 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 the ones that do go to AA and they do go to the meetings and they start going to church as a result, start up and down that it is not their will that caused them to remain sober, but the but the grace of God. Exactly. You know, and it's like a transitioning um, station. Go ahead, Mario. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. You go ahead. Oh, okay. No, I was just going to say, you know, um, you know, with AA and those other, you know, religious-based, you know, treatment programs, you know, they just reinforce, you know, the religion. They reinforce that faith and belief, and, and, and that's the purpose for it. And unfortunately, I've seen in many cases, they'll trade one addition in for another. That was all I was going to say. 
Well, yeah, that's actually really, really common, not just with alcoholics, but with anybody that's addicted to pretty mm-hmm. much anything. They'll trade one addiction with another. I've seen everything from addiction to religion to yep. exercise, um, sometimes yep. a new drug. Um, sometimes they become hoarders or they start a collection of some, you know, fill in the blank. Um yeah. You know, I read an article once, and I think it was Hype Magazine, and they were talking to Eminem, and he's like, I don't do drugs anymore. And they're like, what do you do now? He's like, I exercise. One time I I run every morning. One time I ran 18 miles. It's like, you know someone has a serious addiction problem when they're running 18 miles a day, you know, when they're not even, unless they're like an Olympic athlete or something. Why are you running 18 miles a day? Yeah, you, you tell know, me you're running 18 miles a day. I'm thinking Forrest Gump. Go ahead, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, um, I, I, I'm uh, I'm cracking up on the whole thing because you know, you know, um, one thing I've, I I realized um was that you know um, you know something I'm gonna tell you something I've lost my train of thought. Oh, I had something okay. I was going to go. I, I, had, I had a place I was going with that, and I totally oh. lost that shit. That's okay. Well, let's see oh. if we can move back around. But, no, you know, I've seen people trade one addiction in for another. Um, yeah, and, I know. And I was... Go ahead. And you you jogged my mind as soon as you said addiction. I, I, my, my mom was uh, my mom heavily on drugs and alcohol and whatnot like that. And, um she, you know, yeah, she was really onto all that, and she was in all these rehab programs. A lot, of, it, it it tripped me out a lot how many of them were religious based. You know what I'm saying? I mean, all almost all of them had something to do with religion and everything, and it it, it was, you know, it, it it's almost like they're trying to guilt you into into uh um into uh, um, being straight and being sober, sober and everything like that. I don't believe you can conquer your demons by, you know, believing that the only way you conquered it was through this help here, this divine help, whatever that you don't see, but you have to believe that it's affecting you, it's working on you and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't believe, I just don't believe you can really conquer an addition like that, you know, but if it works for you, if you can, if you, someone loved one conquered a, a, a life-threatening addiction like that using the Bible or whatever religion, I can't complain about that. I can't say anything about that. But can they maintain it? And the only way they can maintain it is they believe this shit for the rest of their lives. If you ask me, right. I don't know. Well, here's a problem that I see with people who have, um, quote-unquote, healed their addictions through faith, as well as recent converts to people who were not religious but became so over time, you know, or those that, that, that convert from one religion to another, is that they are so so zealous, it's frightening. Because when you're talking to them, it's almost as if you're talking to someone who, you know, like for lack of a better term, sipping on the Kool-Aid or someone who is actually high at the moment. Because right. their 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 fervor and their zeal for this is is consuming to the point where it's scary. They they literally cannot stop talking about it. They literally cannot stop um trying to convert others or try to testify or share their testimony with others. Literally cannot stop. Cannot have a conversation without bringing it up. It's like a whole new addiction. And even some religious people have a hard time being around people like this. Right. You know, there's a, there's a joke in the thoughts of them too. They always just say converts are the worst. 
because they just wouldn't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you know, and again, you know, that's the thing about religion. It's it's how can I put it? You know, to a certain degree, I would say, you know, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy to a certain degree. But one thing that I've noticed is, you know, not only when you're in church, are you repeating what the pastor says? You know, you got to turn to three neighbors and then walk across the room and say two different people you don't know and, you know, come back and, you know, write it down so you can study that later as they, you know, pound that information into your head. You know, it, it continues, it perpetuates, because then when you see some of your, you know, church family or buddies at the grocery store, you know, you talk about what the pastor said and, you know, did you read that scripture? And then they all try to beat each other to say, you know, the church. three months in Chicago and undergoing God surgery. And it's one of those things, too, where I've seen a lot at churches because, like, with Catholicism, like I said, I was very close to my church family, but mm-hmm. even... Close in Catholicism doesn't mean the same as what close means to Protestants. We're not at each other's houses all day. Um, you know, a lot of us, you know, are very, very, we, we volunteer in the same groups and the same church activities, but it's not one of those things where we're all neighbors, we all know each other on a personal level, we've known each other all our lives, we grew up together. So what it does is, in a way, the church gave us community, but it also gave us mm-hmm. something in common when we ran into each other in the real world. Exactly. If, if you had nothing else to talk about, you could talk about church or the thing that you had to do with church or the group activity right. at church. And it's constantly reinforcing that, and that goes back to what we were talking about as far as, like, the group thing and the social conformity, because I've seen religious people. They sat down and talked to me, and they would say that they don't really believe all of that, and, you know, they have problems with certain areas or what have you. And ten minutes later, some of their friends will come over or will go out somewhere and see some of their friends, and they fall right back in line. Mm-hmm. And I can sit there and look at them in amazement. And exactly. most of the time they can't even look me in the eye because they know I know better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think this is where faith healing comes in, too. You talk about religion being a fulfilling prophecy to a degree, and I actually have to agree with that statement because, I mean, this is something that therapists and people who do meditation have known for years, centuries even, where if you repeat something to yourself over and over and over again, you start to believe it. Um, you know, if you don't think that you can do anything right, eventually you won't be able to do anything right. Um, if you think that nobody likes you, eventually you'll isolate yourself and nobody will like you. Um, right. But it's one of those things where faith healing kind of turns it on its head because you cannot talk yourself into being better when you're ill. Now, there are certain illnesses, right. especially, um, let, let's, well, for one would be, I guess, depression, where to a degree you can say, might say, be able to say or do something to cheer yourself up um, for for that moment, but it's depression. It's not sadness. It needs something more than a positive affirmation. And when you're talking about something like cancer, something like HIV, um, or even a broken bone, you can't talk that away. No, nope. if your shin is broken, it's still broken, no matter how many anointing oils you throw on there. Exactly. What exactly. the hell is that shit made of anyway? Oh, anointing oil is just olive oil that's been that's been blessed by something. 
Like, if you're really lucky, they'll, they'll spring for the expensive stuff, and you'll, like, get jojoba oil. But olive oil is supposed to be, like, special, you know, from the Mount of Olives, like, in the Bible. So they just get some. They just get some really, really great, great extra virgin olive oil, or maybe the stuff from Costco. I don't know. And somebody prays over it for a few, um, for a few hours or a few days if you're Catholic, and then they put it in some pretty vials, and you know, you think it's something special. It's just olive oil. Right. Exactly. I remember that's like holy water. It's just water. When I was younger, I remember my mom. She used to buy the Pompeian olive oil. And they would take it to the church, and the pastor would pray over it. And, you know, it was just the grossest thing ever. Uh, we have a caller, actually. Yay. Let's pull them into the conversation. Let's see here. Area code 719. May we ask who's calling? Yeah, this is Mike. Can you go, Siri? This is Hi, Mike. Yeah, my name is Mike. Hi. How are you guys doing tonight? All right, all right, what's up, what's up? Yeah, not much. I was calling to say that, you know, I always avoid going to the doctors, you know. God bless. And the thing is, is sometimes, sometimes, you know, I have a problem where, like, I I have to go in because I got this giant dildo stuck in my asshole. I don't know how to get it out. Yeah, I kind of saw that coming. I I kind of saw that coming. (laughs) <laughs> so when she started talking, I was like, ah, yeah, yeah so I, I, see, I see what's going on here. <laughs> oh, no. Well, he actually did sound like he had a large dildo stuck in his ass, so, hey, I'm going well, to I was about to tell him that your, lo- your local dungeon mistress can help you with alleviate that problem, but you oh, yeah. got hung oh, up on him, didn't you? <laughs> um, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, let him go. But, you know, we're here for you, darling. We are definitely here for you, and if we can refer you to a dominatrix in your area, we will be happy to do so, Nick. Nick the Bear from Colorado Springs, Colorado. So thank you for calling, darling. <laughs> yeah, man. But, um, you know, it's one of those things, like I was saying, when you have all these, you have certain ailments that that cannot be ignored, that's when... Um, I, I believe that for a lot of people or anybody that's sane, I guess, they would really have to question their belief in faith healing. Then they have something right. that cannot be, the pain cannot be ignored, the severity, the urgency of the situation cannot be ignored. Then you're going to have to ask yourself, you know, what's going on? And you have those yes. who are very religious and they will accept their pain and their suffering and their eventual death if, if it's that sort of problem as God's will. And then there are those that, and, and, and I think those even with their children, as far as um, Mario's question was concerned, do these people feel remorse? If they're that mindset that if their child dies, then it's God's will, they might not feel remorse. They may feel that they did the right thing and not inter- interfering with God's divine plan. You have to consider that there are people like this, um, and and that is the way that their minds work. That's the way they've conditioned themselves to think, that they've been conditioned to think. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's just the whole thing, and again, it's just trying to reach out and give people some information, and to let you know them know that you know it's okay to question, it's okay to doubt. You know, it's it's okay to be human. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just interesting. But yeah, I would just tell you guys, you know. Out there, the ones that are going through and has, you know, they have questions. 
Just continue to question things, continue to read, continue to seek out information. That's the beautiful thing about the Internet. All of this information is at your fingertips. I remember when I was younger and certain allegations would come up and basically uh, people would say, oh, that's a rumor, we don't know if that's true, that's gossip, and they would defend the pastor, cover the pastor, or they would come up with that crazy scripture about touch not mine anointed or the other one will judge not lest ye be judged. And all the information is here. It's on the Internet. It's in your face. And I believe that's one of the reasons why we see the quote-unquote great falling away from the faith, if you will. But that's a good thing. You know, slowly but surely, you know, people are starting to wake up. So no complaints. You know, I I was thinking this. Um, I think there was, this was about 18 months ago. I saw an article about two men in their 20s in the U.K. who died of AIDS because they were religious and their their pastor, or their, excuse me, their priest told them to pray on it. And they prayed and they stopped taking life-saving medication. And people were up in arms about it saying, oh, the church killed them, the church killed them. You know, I might have been on that bandwagon too if they weren't living where they were living and if they hadn't had information to access to the information that you're talking about. This is very different than some priests going to Africa and saying, you know, and telling people there who you do don't who haven't had formal education, probably never seen a computer in their life, that condoms cause AIDS. Mm-hmm. You're young, you're educated in that country, you know exactly um what is wrong with you and the doctors mm-hmm. have told you how your disease works. But you right. you still want to do this. You know, as far as facing them for adults, I feel sorry for anyone that died of a fatal condition or even a preventable disease that was left untreated as a result of faith healing. I'm not going to waste my tears on you. I feel even worse for those that subject their children to it because that was not their choice to partake in that. And with the children, I've seen 99% of the time it's something completely preventable, treatable, or curable. Exactly. You know, know, a benign tumor, um, type 1 diabetes, a broken bone, a ruptured appendix, these are all things that these children should have been able to live through. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, they should have been able to live through. And it's interesting that, you know, you brought up that case over in the U.K. about the um, HIV, and they were told that they were healed and to stop taking their medications. And it's not just in the U.K. That's happened in, you know, several different places, including the United States. And mm-hmm. another, um, you know, I found an article and it's talking about how um, at this Catholic church they denied a gay man his HIV meds because he was going against God's will. Mm-hmm. So they denied, they denied him his medication. This was a Catholic hospital in New Jersey. And it's like it's just unreal that one doctor on staff told him that they were denying him because he was going against God's will. It's just, you know, well, yeah, if he got an age shooting up, they would have given him his medication. Um, oh, yeah, because not to forgive that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, I don't think anyone who has this any disease is going to think that their suffering is greater or less because of how they got their disease. Mhm. And he's okay. not suffering any less than anyone that that got the disease any other way. Right. Exactly. And it's, it's so weird to me. Like, what happened to the Hippocratic Oath? 
I mean, whether you're a, 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 a whether you're a Catholic doctor or not, at the end of the day, you're still a doctor. You're still taking that oath to help someone, but you're denying someone help because of his lifestyle choices, or because right. of who, what he chose, to, who he chose to sleep with, or his sexual orientation. It's ridiculous. Right. Right. Um, you know, I'm 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 gonna tell you something that um, uh, it it really boggles my mind though. I mean, because. You know, people. You know, for years I've I've heard about all this stuff. You know, and okay. and I never really thought that meant too many people really bought into it. I thought I remember the theatrics of the church and everything, but I I never really realized how widespread it was. You know, to the point where you know I'm seeing all this stuff. It's, this social media has been great for exposing a lot of this stuff and showing that you know and, and putting it all out there and showing that the, the bullshit for what it is and whatnot and um. I mean, there's. I mean, you. You. First of all, the idea of religion to me is to get tell you you have a problem. I have the solution to your problem. Exactly. You have to worship me to. You have to worship me to get this solution. It's like you have a disease. I can cure you uh, only if you worship me. You know what I'm saying? And it's after, a, it becomes a must. you cause the disease too. Don't forget that. Exactly. 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 It's, it's it's a mind fuck, if you ask me. It's it's a big mind fuck, you know. And See, that's what bothers me sometimes even more than faith healing is when people who are perfectly fine with who they are, they're perfectly fine with their life as it is, they're content with themselves as a person, finds religion or or has religion thrust upon them, and all of a sudden they think that they are wrong, that they are dirty, that they are sinful. Religion imbues you with all these horrible um personality traits that you might not have felt before, it pretty much, like, beats down your self-esteem and then tells you that it can build you back up again. Right. Exactly. Right. But see, that's the process. That's what I was talking about earlier, where it's always some drama. It's always something happening. And what they do is they tear you down to build you back up. And then once you get to a certain point, then they tear you down again. And it's a never-ending process. You know, that's why they're always talking about, you know, the potter, you know, in the Bible. And it's just, He's the potter, you're the clay, you'll never be perfect. Exactly. You should never stop trying. You should never stop trying. Exactly. And if your life really is a mess you're poor, you're sick, or whatever, then 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 you can you can pray on that. And if things don't get fixed in this life, they'll get fixed in the next life, we promise. Exactly. 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 And so they have these people hoping and wishing for a better life, you know, in the in the next realm of life, if you will. And the thing is, is that, you know, I've always said this, you know, even when I was a little girl, is why is it that the pastor and his friends are the only ones that are being blessed here on earth? You know, and then that's when he started, you know, talking about the cattle on a thousand hills and, you know, how the, you know, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. But the only righteous people getting it are the pastor and his cronies, but they're not getting the wealth of the wicked. They're getting the wealth of the people, the wealth of the widows in their congregation, the wealth of the women in their congregation, not the wicked, unless those are the wicked people. Well, Jesus said that in order to follow him, you must give away your all of your possessions because um, a, a camel has a better chance of passing through the eye of a needle than a rich man has of getting into heaven. But I'm pretty sure Creflo Dollar has never uttered that line in his church. Uh, right. <laughs> right. Right. You know, it, it, 
like we, so we just gonna ignore that, huh? I mean that 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 just trips me out. It's like you know, you tell me that I'm wrong for not believing anything in the Bible, but then you tell, but then on the same token, you ignore incredible and large portions of the Bible to uh, to keep what you want to believe in, and you're saying and you're trying to judge me for not believing in any of it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to healing, I mean, first of all. You know, if you believe that there is a man, if if Jesus actually came back and he actually healed somebody, I couldn't say anything. But I'm supposed to believe that Pastor Randy is the one he's going to let heal people? I mean, this dude here, he drives a Buick, you know, stuff like that. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Buick? What's the, what decade is this? He drives a Lexus, obviously. Yeah, you got a point. Yeah. <laughs> You know Obviously. what I'm saying? It, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it, it just, you know, it's really, really a trip because I'm like, all right, now, if, you know, if anybody can heal anybody through Jesus, then what was the point of even having a Jesus? Just give it to this dude and we can save ourselves the trouble of 30 years of waiting for some shit to happen when it didn't nothing really happen anyway. Well, I mean, think about it this way. If anybody of faith can heal anybody, why don't people of faith just heal themselves? Exactly. You know your faith exactly. better than you know anyone else's. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, you, you cannot know another's relationship with God. You can only know your relationship and your amount of belief. And this is something that I still believe, even as an atheist. There are oh, people yeah, that talk see, all day long about how much they love God, but only that person I, really knows how much they truly believe. Right. And right. I, mean, I used to always say, why don't Benny Hinn and these other prophets and faith healers why don't they go to Children's Memorial Hospital? Why don't they go to Lurie's Children's Hospital and, you know, um, heal these people with spina bifida? Spot, you know, heal these children that are being born with all these horrible diseases and ailments. Why don't you go and heal yeah, those babies? Because they have better faith because they're still children, so it's a purer faith. Yeah, but tumors and broken bones and crooked spines are things that are visible and measurable. If you fail to heal those, it's not just a child saying, hey, I don't feel any different. It's all the, it's all the medical equipment showing that you didn't do jack shit either. <laughs> right. Right. You know, but putting faith healing aside, just think about the thousands of people in the world right now who are probably crying on their knees praying for God to heal them of their sinful sexual orientation, their sinful thoughts of lust, um, their sinful ambition, which they, which has been labeled as greed, um, you know, all kinds of things that are perfectly normal human behaviors that they're praying for relief from right now at this very moment because they've been told that those things are wrong. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, you get to the point where after a few years you either throw in the towel or you suppress your own instincts and your own urges to the point where you do feel that you have been healed. God totally healed me of my homosexuality, you know. I still lust after men, but I'm married to a woman now, so obviously he works in great and mysterious ways. Right, exactly, exactly. And, you know, that's a show, you know, by itself, you know, this, ex-gay therapy and, you know, a lot of lies. I honestly feel that something, I I, I want to talk to people that are like ex-ex-gays. 
like the people that actually came out and said, okay, you know how I said that I was cured of being gay? I lied. I'm still gay. But, I would I mean, like to get those people yeah. on the show. <laughs> okay, yeah, exactly. You know, and that's happened, you know, uh, you know, quite a bit. And, you know, that's some of these men that have married women, you know, out of pressure, balance of pressure from the church, knowing that they're gay, or in some cases they may be bisexual, you know, and they marry these women. Because, I mean, the thing is, is that some of them, they actually want children, they want a family, and, you know, quite a few of them are being sincere, you know, when they when they marry that woman, but yet they're still denying, you know, what they desire. And, you know, the, the woman is hurt, the child is hurt, and that individual, that man is hurt. And we have to go about finding a better way to deal with that type of situation because, you Well, know, there is one instance, um, and I think I mentioned this guy before, a Mormon man, he's gay, he's openly gay, but he's married to a woman. They have two children together. Um, she was his lifelong best friend. Um, he is gay. He knows that he's gay, he, but he feels it's a sin. And she agreed to marry him because she loved him, and she wanted what he wanted, a life as a married, normal married couple with children. Um, you know, I kind of feel bad for his wife because I don't, I can't imagine what it must be like to be married to someone that you know is not sexually attracted to you. But she right. made an informed decision. She knew what he was when she married him. And right now this man who has, who has repressed any sexual urges of having engaging in sexual relations with men is now qualified in the Mormon Church to counsel young men and 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 boys um, who have the same dilemma as him, who knows quote unquote that homosexuality is wrong, and they want to be able to stifle it and have a normal life, and he helps them do that. And you know there are all kinds of gay ministries. There's this guy in Oregon that said that he could cuddle the gay away, that gay men just you know just didn't get wow. enough affection from their fathers growing up. So he has this, these grown men sit on his lap, and he rocks them and cuddles them, and, they, and, you know, they pour out all their tears and their sorrow, and I'm pretty sure he gets a hard-on. But at the end, exactly. they're straight. Exactly. 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 And there's again, another guy who spanks the gay away. He has, he, has, he has young women paddle you until you repent of your homosexual ways. And I'm right. pretty sure after that you have like a spanking fetish. But he, I was he about paddles. to say, yeah, it turns into a fetish, you know. Yeah. And in, in, in the whole thing, you know, even with you know the one the example that you gave before with them sitting on his lap, and of course it probably sexually stimulates him. And when these men realize, you know, how they've been manipulated and used, you know, that makes them even angrier and, you know, even more upset. And, and it's just, it's unreal. These things, it has to stop. It has to stop. You know, I mean, if if you, you know, in, in that case, if, you know, if there's something happening in your life and, you know, something is going on, you know, that's just not the way to go. You know, you have to communicate. You have to be honest. Um, you know, uh, homosexuality is not like an addiction. It's something totally different. Um, you know, just had a conversation. You know, I didn't have a conversation. Someone made a comment on something, and they were talking about a quote-unquote lesbian lifestyle, and I had to correct that, and I said the the woman is living her life not having a lesbian lifestyle. There's no such thing as a lesbian lifestyle. So I'm waiting to see what his response to that is going to be. But, um, no, guys, don't let these people guilt you. Don't let them, 
you know, manipulate you, don't let them exploit you, none of that. Um, you know, it's all for gain in some respect or the other. Just know who you are. And, and again, we, we were talking about children's rights before. There are tons okay. of these establishments set up, especially for adolescents, for yep. parents who feel the need to correct their sexual orientation of their children. And there are all kinds of methods used from corporal punishment to shock therapy, um, emotional, verbal abuse, you name it, it's happening. There's even one boy who said that um, he was sexually assaulted by the man who was running this place. And, of course, mm-hmm. um, his parents didn't believe him because at that point he was a homosexual and a degenerate and a liar as far as they were concerned, and he had made the whole thing up. Imagine how many other parents who didn't believe when their children told them similar stories. And how can you trust the integrity? I mean, I'm saying this is a free thinker, but how can you trust the integrity of a person who's made it their mission in life to fix your broken child? Right. Right. And the only reason you believe there's something wrong with him because of a book written several decades ago. I mean, the decades, a millennia ago. You know, and, right, right. You know, um, that's the only reason you believe there's something wrong with him because some books said that there's something wrong with him. And, you know, and... You know, I, I I just really I think it's really a retarded idea that um, you know, first of all, if 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 God can write a book several thousand years that is relevant several thousand years in the future, you know, why did He wait seven thousand several thousand years after He had already created humankind to write the book, and then it took another thousand or so years to to finish the book? I mean, it doesn't sound Except like it was that all he that didn't important. He didn't do any of that. He had a whole bunch of other people do it. And then yeah. a whole bunch of other people edited and revised and translated and edited and revised and translated and over and over and over again. It's the longest game of telephone ever. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, it, exactly. And it, 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 to me, it, it can't be all that important. Since he didn't even think about think think to write to have somebody write the book until thousands of years after he had already created his first human. I mean, it's stupid. You know, L. Ron Hubbard, the father of Scientology. What people don't understand about him was. He's a science fiction writer, and oh, he didn't sell very well. But all of a sudden, when he stopped saying this is science fiction and started saying that this is the truth and created a religion, he became a millionaire. And that's what you do when you want to get get rich. It's and start honestly, your own religion. Yeah, exactly. You start your own religion, and now you have, and then now Scientology is the backing of so many celebrities saying this is the way. This is like awesome. This is the the, this is the truth. I, I swear. I promise you, it's awesome. And this, they forget that this man wrote fiction. How can you believe that someone who is able to write anything, especially someone who majors, who who who, who focuses in fiction, would not lie to you? And you right. know, I say this as a writer myself. I talk to people who are religious, and and I'm saying uh, the Bible clearly says not to put your faith. In man, but to put your faith in God. But when you be- read the Bible, when you believe the words in the Bible, you are putting your faith in man. You're putting your faith in the person who originally wrote it and all the people who translated that specific book. And why is it so hard to believe that before Jesus died, people were capable of writing fiction just like they are today? Exactly. What well, right. I mean, we didn't you know, just develop it, the ability to 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 put to put lies on paper. In you know, you know, in after the death of Christ, it wasn't like people were like restricted to writing the whole truth and nothing but the truth before then. 
Exactly. You know, I I, I said that to somebody before. Like, how do you know these people weren't completely full of shit? I mean, you, you mean just because you believe? I mean, what? I mean, just because you believe in all this stuff? Or, I mean, if it's this easy to lie about something, have somebody believe it? If, if you know for a fact, right? That Scientology is made up. A lot of Christians believe that. That Scientology is pretty much a bullshit religion, which is an ironic thing to say for anyway. But um, you believe that this religion is completely made up. You think that people just started doing this? I mean, how many religions do you think there have been in the course of, of human existence? You well, know what this I'm saying? Is the thing. When a religion springs into existence in your lifetime, it is easy to see the bullshit. Because you see the inner yeah, working, you yeah. see the early, you see the early stages of it. It's only the people that are truly weak willed or feeble minded that are going to fall for it. Even in its early in its infancy, they used to call Christians a cult, which they are. It's a really huge one now, but they call it the cult of Christianity. Um, in Catholicism, there is something called the right of acceptance when an adult wants to wants to be a Catholic. Um, they, they don't do confirmation like they do for the teenagers. They do the right of Christian initiation for adults. Um, I was confirmed as an adult because we moved around so much I could never get confirmed as a kid. And the first right is the right of acceptance, where basically you go outside the church with a blindfold on, and you knock some someone in the church who's been confirmed already knocks on the door for you and asks the congregation, will you let these people in? And the congregation has to say yes or no. And if they say yes, you're led into the church and you get your blindfold taken off afterwards. And this is a relic from the early days of Christianity where Christianity was an underground cult and it was fighting with all the pagan religions. And they didn't know who to trust, who was a spy, who was an infiltrator. So you had to know someone who was a Christian. They had to trust that you were sincere and wanting to be a Christian and then bring you to the back door and the, pe- the, the church or the congregation as a whole, the majority would have to agree to let you in and see the inner workings of the church. And the same thing goes on with Mormonism today. There are things that people who are Mormons don't know for three, four, five years, you know, after they join the church, and they learn much, much later on as they, they go up the levels of authority within the Mormon church, and it's the same with the Catholic church. And they do this because this are relics of when these religions were really, really, really new, and they were cults like all these little cults that are springing up now. Well, you know, um, uh, a good movie to watch along the lines is Agora, and uh, yeah. it really kind of um, it, it, it really showed a lot of the oppression by Christians is when they started really coming to power, and it, it's amazing, you know, how a, a group can be in a, a minority for so long, but then when they come into power, they start acting like just just like the majority that they were just oppressed by. Mhm. You know, I bring this point up a lot with Christians who are very anti-Islam. I mean, I am as well. I see the vast majority of Islamic nations as being incredibly oppressive and or violent. However, this is what a lot of religions were like when they were still coming up. And Islam is not as new as most of these religions out here, but it's still fighting for dominance. And a lot mm-hmm. of religions, they don't, they don't, they don't get to a place where they stop being violent until they've achieved that dominance. You know, the Torah and the Talmud and the the Old Testament Chronicle, all of the violence and genocide committed by or, or the first Jews. 
we have a mm-hmm. long history of violence committed by early Christians, and it's going to continue that way until that the, the, that religion feels we've achieved dominance in mm-hmm. X Y Z. Unfortunately for us, the 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 Quran says to fight until there are no more non-believers. So I don't know what dominance means for the average Muslim. But the fact of the matter is, when whatever your religion is, whatever your belief is, if it's based on violence, you're going to keep fighting until the majority thinks like you. Right. And Abrahamic religions are incredibly violent religions. They will always fight for dominance because everybody wants to be the alpha dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's, you know, not only religion. I mean, you see that across the board and a lot of, but yeah, you know, the whole thing, like I said, you know, I'm just glad with the technology, a lot of this is being exposed and people are starting to read for themselves, not only read the Bible or the Quran or what have you, but they're reading the Internet, they're reading these stories, they're realizing that they're not alone, that they're, you know, they may have gone through a situation with a church or a pastor or a church member or what have you, they're starting to realize they're not alone, that other people may have experienced the same Because one of the ways to keep the silence, the way they were able to keep people silent besides threatening them, they would tell them, well, you're the only one this has happened to, and had them thinking that they were, you know, that no one would understand or believe them. So, you know, more and more of this is coming out, which is a good thing. Or not yeah. even that, but you have, like, small towns where everybody knows what's going on. And mm-hmm. everyone's keeping their mouth shut. Like yeah. everyone knows, pastor slept with that, with that, with that, you know, fifteen-year-old girl. The baby she had is his. Everyone knows it, but nobody acknowledges it out loud. Exactly. Yeah. And if you do acknowledge it out loud, you're shunned and ostracized and chastised. You know, it's right. you don't speak of these things. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's one of those things where too, the internet helps to kind of, um, kind of bring together people that are on the outskirts, and by outskirts I don't just mean like religiously and emotionally, but geographically. Some people live in such isolated areas where they are, they're they're, they're literally surrounded by their religion and religious-minded people. Mm-hmm. All they see are these, are these people, and if it's a situation where the pastor is doing more than just feeding them this bullshit, but he is exploiting um, members of the congregation, especially children, it's something that people will keep to themselves for years, even decades. Right. Exactly. exactly. And it only takes one person typing something on a web page or a forum um, and saying, hey, pastor such and such and such and such church is doing this, that, and whatever. A good example of that is a pastor here in Florida who um, was arrested for child molestation and for stalking even um, a couple of teenage girls in his his congregation, and these people were so, like, obsessed with this man, I guess it's the only word I could use, infatuated with him, that they chose to forgo spending Sundays with their children and instead just um, um, their their children were barred from Sunday services so that they could worship with uh, him. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that, yeah. Imagine if no one else but the congregation knew. Then they just could keep that to themselves. The world would never know you know what what had happened there most likely he would have he would have violated his restraining order or his order of protection against the children they would have dragged their children there anyway if no exactly. one knew exactly 
Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the whole thing, but this is, you know, I can give several examples of things that I've seen firsthand, stories I've heard from other people, stories we've read on the Internet, and it basically all boils down to the fact that, you know, there are always going to be people out here that are going to attempt to take advantage of other people, that are going to try to manipulate guilt and exploit other people. You know, the thing is we have to encourage people to become more educated, to utilize more critical thinking skills, to rely on their logic. And, you know, again, and the key is education, education and research. And and it's okay if you don't know something. It's okay to go to someone and ask a question. And that's another thing the church has done. When when you would go and ask questions in some cases, you would either be chastised and say, don't question the pastor about these things. He's too busy because he doesn't have the answer. Or you'd be made to feel stupid because you were asking questions. And again, for the most part, it's because they didn't have any answers. It's okay. We want to let you know that it's okay to ask questions. It really is. And it's okay if you don't know something either. It's okay to say, I don't know. And you seek out the answer. You know, you're supposed to learn something new every day that shows growth. We'll be learning new stuff until the day that we die, and it's okay. You know, um, I've seen this a lot, too, especially with the old-school religious, where they'll say that everything I need to know about life or to get through life, I can learn from reading the Bible. People who have their children read the Bible on a daily basis or, or in some cases read the Bible as a punishment when they do something wrong, um, and it's one of those things where they feel like any problem that they're having with themselves or with their children can be corrected through Bible reading. Just do this and it'll fix that situation. And it's one of those things where with religion and with your faith, it's not okay to say, I don't know. If someone tells you, you know, if someone asks you why you believe, you have to have an answer ready. You know, I've spoken with an ex-acquaintance who was very, very religious and she was saying, I know it's right because that's what my family believes, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, well, what about the people whose families did not teach them about God? And there was always an answer. And so there wasn't an answer, and then the answer just became, well, God works in mysterious ways. And that's always the fallback. So the answer is never, I don't know. If the answer, the closest they come to I don't know is I don't have an answer, but I'm best friends with the person who does know the answer. Right. 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 And, you know, again, you know, that's the beautiful thing about, you know, evolving and learning and opening your mind, you know, to new things. And, you know, we've come a long way. You know, the Internet has been like the best thing ever in some regards. On the other hand, not so much. You know, a lot of us have been become disconnected from other people. Um, quite a few of us live in a cyber world, and we need to get back out into the real world, real human contact, meeting real people, you know. But, um, you know, it's, it's just interesting, but, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, as far as the faith healing is concerned, it's one of those things where, unfortunately, that person, if they're, if they're not the type who's going to say, oh, well, that was God's plan all along, I guess, it isn't until something tragic happens that they open their eyes and realize, wow, that was really dumb. I should have probably gone to the doctor. I should have taken my kid to the doctor. Right, right. 
but it isn't until after the fact that you get to that point. Because before then, mm-hmm. you can't shake them. You, they have to. They ha- they have to fall. They have to fall hard to understand. This is bullshit. I need to go to the doctor, and I need to go to the pharmacy right after that. Right. Wow. Wow. You know, there are, there are, I'm sure there are plenty of people right now who they didn't get prison sentences because you know. Um, because they said, oh, this was faith healing, but they're living in a prison of guilt and remorse every day that they can't be with their child, that their child is gone because of their stupidity. Exactly. Well, you would think that they've seen some cold people, whereas they're like, oh, well, you know, that was God's will. And they try to make it seem as though they don't care. So that's why sometimes I don't know if they really don't care or if it's a facade, sometimes it's hard to tell because there's some weird. They really, truly do not care. Isn't it weird how a lot of Christians say that? Oh, it's God's will. Every time they fail or things don't go their way or as they hope, they just shrug their shoulders and like, oh, well, that was God's plan, I guess. It's it's kind right. of that way of of taking the burden off of yourself for mm-hmm. your lack of effort and for not being proactive in your own life and your own situation. Exactly, the accountability and responsibility, right. So all you have to say is, oh, it's God's plan, and all of a sudden you can feel better about the fact that you messed up because, you know, this is your mm-hmm. fault. Well, it's a test. Exactly. Yeah, God is testing. You know what? I swear, all these tests God gives people, I still haven't seen my report card yet. But all these tests, <laughs> all these tests, it's like, you know, if you're omnipotent, why, if you're omniscient, why do you need to test anyone? You know everything. Exactly. But then, you know, another one is they'll blame it on the devil. And I'm trying uh, to understand yeah. how the devil has that much power. And listening to some of these Christians, you know, they're binding the devil up. They've been binding the devil up. He should be all good and bound. I mean, you know, how is he still able to get around? I was talking to a that Christian. That loose. Right, yeah, you know, I was going back and forth with a Christian, and I said, wouldn't it just be easier for God to forgive Satan or to kill him? <laughs> now, why do yeah. I have to fight Satan? If God loves me, he knows Satan is my enemy. Satan's out to destroy me. Why does he just get rid of Satan? It's like knowing your. It's like knowing that uh, someone you care about or a child you care about is living with a child molester, but right. rather than call the police... You just keep telling them, well, fight them off, honey. You can do it. I believe in you. Exactly. Um, That was my status update the other day. I said, you know, I I referred back to Isaiah 45 and 7, how God created good and evil. And basically, you know, I compared the situation with, you know, God knowing who was what Satan was going to be, but he created him anyway. And I said, isn't that like leaving the pedophile in charge of the daycare? Yeah. Big Like, you know, yeah. you know exactly who this person is. You know him just as well as you know any of us. Well, obviously, you're playing favorites here if you know he's stronger than us and you allow him to have all this power over us, even those of us that worship you. Right. Yeah. It's like one of those I things where I feel like it. it's just that he just does it for entertainment. Like, hey, fuck with those yeah. people like you did with Job. I'll get a good laugh about it. Ah, man, the Job story. Talk about faith healing. Like, it, like, I. That was a bad situation all around. I'm going to torture my best, most faithful faithful servant just to prove a damn point that I already know, and he already knows I know. 
time. If only it were I, just Job, though, because God killed off all his kids. But it's cool because he replaced yeah. with new kids. He, he got replaced yeah. with kids, though. If anything shows a, if there is a God, if there's anything that shows a complete detachment from his own creations and humanity, is the fact that he killed, allowed the man's kids to be killed and he just replaced them. If there is a God, like the Book of Job just says that we are his version of HBO. We watch Spartacus, he watches us. Right. Awesome. Can't be more entertaining than that, I guess. Like, I'm going to make a bet with you. I already know what's going to happen, but I want to see torture this guy anyway. <laughs> then they talk about Lazarus, though. Then they bring up Lazarus, and... Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where apparently that 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 story, if that story shows anybody anything, it's that being faithful gets you nowhere. I mean, I might get something in the end, but I'm going to suffer a lot first, like a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, like your whole life, and and, and then and then you're going to be happy that you failed, and, and you're going to worship the God that that put you in that position in that situation because He ordained this before you were born. You're going to worship Him anyway. And, you know, that's that's like, you know, again, going back to that slave, you know, mentality. You're worshiping the person that's beating you. You're worshiping the person that's mistreating you. You're worshiping the person that has put you in the worst type of situation and does not give a damn about your well-being. He just wants you to produce. And in case of religion in modern times, you know, he wants you to give your time, your talent, and your money. Otherwise, you're worthless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of those things where he treats people like they're interchangeable and like they're disposable and that they can be used as currency. You have Jeff Taft who sacrificed his daughter um, in a deal with God for letting him win the war. You had Joe who had like his 17 kids killed off, but then they were replaced with 17 new kids because having new kids makes you forget about how you had to bury all of the old ones. All right. of a sudden, you can forget their names and you can forget how much you love them because you got new kids now. Um, it's just one of those things where, and, and, you know, he has one group of children, the Jews, the chosen ones, kill everybody else, and it's like, do you care? Because all I see is a huge chessboard and people being used as pawns. If there is a God, then he's probably exactly as described in the Bible, cruel and impotent. Right? Right. Because how right. else suffering this way? Yeah, the whole thing, like I said, but I'm just glad we're making progress. And, again, one in five are nuns, you know, if you will, and part of the nuns are non-believers, atheists, humanists, you know, free thinkers, what have you, and some are just, you know, unaffiliated. So, you know, 20%, one out of five, you know, that's a big jump from where it used to be. And I've had people say to me that they are, you know, grateful and happy that we're out here because we're out here and we're out and we're open and we're standing again on the courage of our convictions. And we'll take you to the hospital if you need it. And, yeah, and it gave them the courage to come out and say that they were not believers, especially now that they're seeing more faces. And in particular, they're seeing more black and brown faces. You know, it's not just, you know, with black people, but Latinos, you know, and Asians as well. You know, so there are a lot more in, you know, black, brown, and yellow people that are coming out 
as non-believers, and that's why it's important for those of us that can speak up to speak up. And some of the people who cannot speak up about, I understand it could be a matter of their family or their livelihood. People have different reasons, and we just have to be understanding as to why. Mhm, mhm. And you know, it's one of those things where um, it's kind of sad that we live in a world where. If you try to pray illness away, only some people will call you crazy. But if you say you're a non-believer, everyone's, most people will give you a dirty look. But that's what we're dealing with. Um, yeah. And honestly, um, I, for everyone listening, I would tell you, you know, that Kim said there are many, many reasons why a person would want to remain unaffiliated or, or not identify themselves as an atheist or agnostic. But if you can, I would, I would strongly advise people to 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 not be ashamed of it. You know, um right. there's nothing wrong with 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 using your sense and using your reason and there's nothing wrong with not believing in something that cannot be tangibly proven. That's right. That's right. Exactly. And Mario, any parting words for you dear? That the only thing I can say is assume that we lied about everything we said and look it up for yourself. Exactly. And don't just look it up in your normal places. You look for a Bible stuff. Go out there and really look it up. And, trust and me, if you're sick right you now, find. if you're sick right now, please go to the hospital. That's exactly. all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if your kid is sick right now, if your kid is sick right now, pretty, pretty, please go to the hospital. Exactly. And take your meds. Take your medication. If you have high blood pressure, number one, you got to cut back on the fat back. No more <laughs> fat back and ham hocks. You, you know, take your medication, eat a salad, drink a smoothie every once in a while. You know, um, it, go walk around the block. You can't get a gym membership. You know, it's nice outside again. It's getting there. You can go to the park. You know, and if you're in the inner city, I understand the situation about sometimes it's kind of dangerous. Go to the mall. Everybody else at the mall, go to the mall and walk around. A lot of people use the mall, especially early in the morning. You'll see a lot of senior citizens and um, some, you know, um, walking clubs. You oh, know, yeah, especially in Florida. It's hot as hell out here. Exactly, exactly. You can go all year round. So, you know, get your exercise in, you know, take your medication Consult with your physician, your doctors. They know better. They know better. And if you want to avoid the doctor, then do what you can to take care of your your health, exercise, eat right, cut out the excess fat and the sugar and the fried food so that you can avoid an illness. And there are things that you can't avoid. And if one of those things should arise, don't use your, your, your Bible as an excuse not to go or to cover up your fear, or because you're really religious and you think that this is wrong. It's your life. It's the only life you're going to have. You you may believe in an afterlife, but you've gotten absolutely no proof that one exists. So try try your best to extend this one for as long as you can, please. Exactly. Oh. And on this note, we're going to be out. Um, your pastor is not your doctor. Your pastor is not your lawyer. Your pastor ain't going to put a dime on your books if you go to the quaint. Trust and believe that. They're going to pray for you while you're in the quaint. But, you know, <laughs> keep that in mind. <laughs> in Sunday's show, we're going to be talking about religion, masculinity, and homophobia. 
So we're going to be talking about hypersexuality, hypermasculinity, homophobia. We're going to be talking about all of that Sunday at high noon. Meet us here. And on that note, hey, guys, we wishing you the best. Have a lovely, lovely weekend. And we're out. Bye. Adios. Where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. Free thought, we don't walk by faith in the lost mind state, cause it's not quite safe. We don't recruit, we're not peers from a church. So don't be spooked, we're not here to convert. The only truth that's not pulled from a text. Show me proof that's not good after death. This is the challenge to think for yourself. Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310-982-4273 to get through. A venue for community and this is the zone. If you'd like to speak with Kim, then pick up the phone. 310-982-4273 to get through. The next tree branch is Rainer and it's best you listen to. Reason, science, and skepticism. It's loaded with straight facts, inspiring and dope. She can make Bill Nye retire his lab coat. Humans are hilarious, and every other Friday, I'd like to hear commentary on culture, people. So I hit up Super Mario and bring in Emmeline to discuss why we're capable of ultra evil. It's normal for my brain to have a two-way street, but if there's collisions, well, then you got to just mention it. And don't be afraid of where the truth may lead, ignoring your position of cognitive dissonance. When Father Teresa preaches, it's hard to stop, so kids. Paired me up with Alfred in the barbershop I have a extended family and all these places now As the free thought tree pollinates around yeah. This is the challenge to think for yourself Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt 310-982-4273 Hello, it is Ryan And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic Doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.